I try to let the work speak for itself, but like as I get older, um, I think it's important to share the information that I've learned and picked up along the way. And um, so now I'm more open to having conversations that I wouldn't have had before when I was younger. Um, and it's not about um, a matter of trying to be uh, secretive or trying to control my image or what have you. It's more about now I'm in a place where I'm at an age where I feel like I'm learning and I've have, I have a bit of knowledge on certain things that like, I want to share like the things that I've picked up along the way and I'm okay to, to speak now, um, whereas before I wasn't. Yeah, that makes sense. I think we all come to a point where we realize, I think maybe that life is short, you know, and there are things that we can leave behind for whether that's your family. Yeah. Information, something for the next, the next like, uh, group of creatives that are, you know, coming up behind us. Not that it's all about our work. Right. But I think our work, especially we spend so much time, you know, grinding and trying to open the doors for ourselves. The mm-hmm. least we can do is try to open some doors for others, right? Yeah, I think I think I think that's a pinnacle. Uh, like, uh, it's absolutely important to to give information so that the next generation can can pick up and can continue and can grow and can get into the, those doors that we are opening. Um, that's the whole point. It's not just for you to get in and close. Um, it's for you to get in and open the door and allow other people and help other people get in. So for me, like one of the things that I do is like, I work with a lot of young new talent and whenever I get an opportunity, um, I try to bring on new creatives that wouldn't necessarily have the opportunity to work in those spaces. Um, so it's very important for me that that aspect of what I do. That, yeah, that leads into something interesting because, uh, you, I was familiar with your work actually because I, you know, I didn't grow up in like a fashion background and I'm 31 now. So when I, when I was discovering fashion, I was already making t shirts and, mm-hmm. but I guess a capital F fashion was around the time actually that, um, Virgil's work started, he started making, um, off the back of, you know, Pyrex, he was doing off-white. And I feel like all of a sudden, I was kind of like thrust into this world. I kind of felt like I found, I was like, wait, my people are out there, you know? But it's one of the ways I discovered you because it was kind of like, as I was getting this rush of realizing, like, look at what's out there. I feel like half the images that I was seeing were your images. <laughs> so, um, so I think it's, it's really cool. But then you ended up, you ended up, uh, following I Ray on Instagram and I was like, holy shit, this is so cool. Yeah. And we kind of talked back and forth, but what, what is your process in finding kind of young creatives? What do you what do you notice about young creatives where they maybe have that certain something they just maybe haven't had the opportunity yet? Like 
Well, the thing is, like, like I'm sure you do as well. Like, you get a lot of like um, DMs, and you get a lot of messages from people who want to like be involved in the industry and get into the industry, but are not necessarily willing to do the work. And sometimes, like, I have conversations for with people for like over a year before I actually work with them. Um, I think what I'm well, what I look for is truth (laughs) and for people that are doing things for the love of it and not necessarily because they want to make money or I understand we all need to make money and we all want to be successful in that sense because that's like a human conditioning thing. Um, But what I really look for is people that want to tell stories and people that think beyond the clothing in the aspect. When I say that, I think I, I mean that it's not just about like what you wear. It's just about what that represents, like what that can do for you in your life. Like how you dress can make the, the uh, perspective that somebody can have based on how you look is a very interesting proposition in fashion. It's very tra- like, uh, cause I always say fashion is transformative because like if you put on a suit every day and you think, well, for me, I want my life to be based around this suit. I want to go to these types of parties. I want to go to this because this is the aesthetic that I want. Like subconsciously in your super subconscious, you're going to build towards that because you're dressing for that lifestyle. You're dressing for that way of living. So um, with young creatives, like I think my, my key thing is when I speak to them and I mean, sometimes like I can't decipher everybody's um, truth and whether they're like fully committed and honest, but over time, like you'll see, and I don't jump into every collaboration, like straight off the bat, I take time. And, and you see, like when people are doing things out of the love of it, like it really comes across. Like, I mean, I think it's really important, like in, this day and age and, and, and at this point, because everything is so fast and happening so fast that like we really need to create and do things out of the love and for the joy of it and not just for the money of it. The truth, I think, is a really interesting way of looking at it. And it also must be passion, right? Like passion, kind of a absolutely. passion for yeah. for the work. When you're, I mean, how does, how does that truth or that passion shine through to you really when you are talking to these young creatives? Well, well, the thing is, is I have a very, I am, I have a very specific way of thinking and the way I see things and, um, I'm open and I'm I, I say I don't know everything and I know I will never know everything and every day is a learning thing for me. And so when you're speaking to young creatives and they're teaching you things, like you can you're learning new things from them as well. So that exchange and that dialogue, like that communication, that back and forth, like also helps dictate like the kind of relationship and the kind of progression that you can actually have with that person, like how you can build. For example, like I'm working with this new art director who used to work with a really big brand for a very long time. He was a muse. Then he became an art director. Then like, um, 
And he, then the creative, like, then he started working really close with the creative director. But now he's like doing his own thing. And he's super, super young. But like, the thing is, it's like when he goes into a room because of his age, like, people don't have the same respect just because of the number of how old he is. But the thing is, is his ideas are brilliant. And in, in, in that way, it's like that exchange of like energy. Like tick for sack, maybe if you want to go that way. Like, um, like I teach you something, you teach me something. Like in that way, like I think it's quite fun. You're you're kind of what you maybe like to do is you kind of open yourself up to their world, and if their world is something that you can get kind of sucked into, it's almost like that's how you find a collaborator in a way. Yeah, absolutely. And then there are things that I gravitate towards too. Like I love skaters because I love the openness of that specific culture. Like I love skaters. I love surfers. I love like, I love people that love like hip hop and this kind of thing. So there, there are specific things that like are innate within me. People that love Caribbean music, like people that are from the Caribbean, there are things that like are that, I gravitate towards too, specifically. When I first moved to Paris, I I did a shoot in the mountains in the snow and I met like a group of skaters and I grew up, I didn't really grow up around like that kind of culture. And it was something that was very, they were very open and very not non-judgmental and about, about, and I hadn't experienced anything like that. It's like kind of like the first time I went to a rave like, and how much of my work was dictated for a very long time because of that one experience and that like skate culture for me, like, um, so they're little, little, um, bits and pieces like skating, like surfers, like little things like that. Like they're little pockets of, of subcultures that like, um, I kind of gravitate towards for collaborators as well. And as you said, passion as well, like, when I see somebody who's really passionate, for example, I love music. Like I love music because I think it's such a big part. It drives so much of the creativity and creative process. Like when you listen to something and you can see it, like it helps. Um, like I've been meeting with a lot of young musicians who are just so hungry, not to be celebrities in the way, but just hungry to s- tell stories and um and get their music out there so that's been like a quite an exciting thing for me recently i've been like uh meeting and shooting a lot of young musicians um which is something that i wouldn't have done before but um for me now it's just very very exciting to see this that particular energy when you think about music and what is inspiring you even now does any of that go back to the music that you grew up with as a kid? Well, you know, you know, the funny thing is, is that the way I grew up was quite sheltered in the sense that I was, I went to school, I did my homework, and my day was finished. I didn't go play sports. I didn't go hang out with friends. I didn't have that kind of life that, um, most kids have, um, I grew up very, um, sheltered and I know that for my mom at the time, like she gave me the best life that she could give me. And it's been 
I wouldn't be here without her. Like, um, and I wouldn't be in the position for the sacrifices that she made for me. Um, so, so when I turned, um, 15 is when I first started to actually, and I got my first computer and that I first started to like hear different kinds of music because like in the Caribbean, I grew I'm from Barbados originally. So I grew up listening to a very specific kind of music with a very specific kind of beat. Um, but then my eyes were, was open to so many different things because of the internet, because of a computer. Um, and yeah, yeah. So you were experiencing, there was a whole different world you were experiencing at home. And then you found kind of this whole other life almost once you got yeah. a computer with the internet. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, well, before I even got a computer, it was an image that completely made me think, well, because in the Caribbean, because Barbados was a British colony, it was like you had the matching curtains to the matching sofa to the matching carpet. And that was uh, equivalent of uh, wealth or a standard of wealth in the Caribbean. And I had seen this Calvin Klein ad and it was shot in the Caribbean, but it was shot behind a mosquito net. And it was very, very minimal, still the same colors, still the same pinks, the same reds, the same blues that you experience in the Caribbean and are like, but it was so minimal. There was no curtains. <laughs> there was, was like, there was no, the, the sofa had no, no pattern and that completely transformed me, my, my point of view. And it made me think, oh, well, there's a bigger world. Like this is not, this can't be it. This is not it. There's something much bigger than just, um, fabric curtains, um, or pattern curtains, um, and then once I started to get into the, once I got a computer and I started to get into music and that kind of thing, like it just opened my eyes to like, just like a lot of like, like subcultures, because like one of the things that I love, like about fashion is that there's so many and are about humans in general is that there's so many different kinds of way people dress and think and, and operate and move. Like it's not just one thing. And I love that. Was there, was there something about the Calvin Klein ad that felt, I mean, thinking about that facade of the mosquito net, was there something about the reality that they were able to capture that really jumped out at you? Yeah, yeah, that and also the, the minimalist aspect of it as well and the chicness of it as well. Um, because it was very simple clothing. It was very, um, very basic, like classics. It wasn't anything that was overly extravagant. Um, it looked like somebody that you could see like in the street, like, um, and I loved like seeing that human aspect in those images at that time. Yeah. And I, and, and the thing that also really resonated with me at that time was it wasn't like the Calvin of the black and white, very, um, very high contrast images. It was something that 
in my world still made sense because it was with pinks and reds and blues and those kind of tones. So I understood, so it, it resonated. I understood those colors, like those, those were the colors that were around me. I grew up around those colors. So that like in that way. Yeah. That's really fascinating because one of the things that I recognize about your work is the way that you portray color. Yeah. Is that, are you, are you thinking about home or where you grew up when you are shooting colors now? Well, you know, it's, it's a super subconscious thing. Like I'm never thinking about it, but it's one of those things. And this is, and I'll touch on this just briefly after I finish the statement. Like I don't ever, I'm never thinking about home, but it just comes out. Be, just naturally, like I gravitate to certain colors like red, like, um, and this kind of thing. Um, but I'm never saying, well, I want to recreate an image that reminds me of my childhood, but I'm, I'm innately doing that. Um, because I'm, as I get older, I'm trying to go back <laughs> to yeah. my younger self. Like I say, I'm trying to be 19 again, like, Cause at 19, like it was like Ricky Martin, Madonna Ray of light. Like, uh, I mean, it was mind blowing. Like, uh, cause I had never listened to any of that kind of music. I had never heard it like before. So like I had none of those references. So like people now like always say, well, Oh, like what were your references when you were growing up in this kind of thing is I didn't have them. Um, like my references started like when I was 19, like, like when I was 19, that's when I started to really like live, like, uh, like I started to watch movies, like, uh, uh, what was the, was it doom generation? Like all those nineties, like kind of movies where, like the kids were working in the record stores and like that kind of vibe, like, uh, like just that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And then to touch on that, like, I want to, I want to say this because I always say it because I think it's so important for people that have influence that to understand the power of image and understand that as <laughs> just as a human, because we're losing so much of our humanity because of, of, of a lot of different aspects of how the world is now, that when you put something out, that you should put it out because you love it and because you want to share something that means something to you because you think about a kid that might see that because the images that, for me, I said an image changed my life, like, it's really, really important that kids see things that inspire them, that allow them to see that there's a better world. They can, they, that they can, they can be better. It can be better. Um, I think that's one of a pinnacle for me. Like it's very, very important in my work, like to show positivity and, uh, optimism and, uh, and I know not everything is joyous and always happy, but I think, when you have an influence and a voice is important to share joy because it's a just, you, it just makes such a difference. Like it just, to, just to have a happy moment, just every once in a while, it just completely just 
picks you up. Yeah, that's beautiful, Fabian. I think it is important nowadays, especially because, and it only gets more and more true every year, I feel like, but there's just so much negativity out there. And that's an, a, that's an immediate response that you can get from people. So, you yeah. know, I, I understand why people want to kind of prey on those feelings we get, but I think it makes it more important to be the opposite. Yeah, absolutely. And what, what about you? <laughs> what I'm about me? It out. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah. <laughs> about the optimism. Yeah. I mean, yeah. just going back to what you said about your inspiration, I really find that that's a through line between creatives. And I find it true of myself too mm-hmm. about how I'm not really, I grew up in Seattle. Mm-hmm. Um, outside of Seattle, Tacoma, and is a really industrial kind of city. I'm not really thinking about how do I how do I portray Tacoma like in Paris or or what's maybe that shirt my grandpa used to wear that I could like kind of make high fashion or something. I'm never really thinking about that, but sometimes I do look at things after it's finished. And it almost like reminds me of of maybe this moment I had, or maybe it reminds me of like the color palette reminds me of this place that I used to go to growing up. So it's it's kind of interesting how our our past and our life can can enter that subconscious. And I yeah. feel like that might be something that you grow into as an artist maybe it's not something you have right away because you're you're being very specific you know so like when i started making Mm t-shirts i had to think much harder about what i wanted it to look like and all of that but then once you get almost into like a flow state of creating things i think that initial you know thinking about it like an ocean like all the waves and kind of the chaos that's happening up above, you kind of have broken through that, you know, and now you're like looking a little bit deeper and it allows you to, I don't know, pull, pull out something maybe that you haven't, that you haven't thought about in a long time. Love that. It's brilliant. Thank you. (laughs) You talk about kind of being sheltered. Is that something that, that she did for your safety? Or is that just the kind of kid that you were that you wanted to, you know, you wanted to stay home and just do your homework and. No, it's just that my mom had me when she was very young and to provide for me, um, she had to work all the time. So I didn't grow up with my mom. Like, uh, I lived with relatives, um, from uncle to aunt or a close friend or what have you, because, for my mom to provide for me to give me the opportunities that she gave me, she had to work and she couldn't be there. Like a choice thing, it was some uh, a more of a survival kind of like you're going to be the one that gets out and breaks the cycle of our family, and I'm going to do everything to make sure that you break um, the cycle of what I think. 
the Caribbean in is very, in a way, can be, and maybe it's changed now, but at the time it was very insular, like in very one-minded. For example, like when I went to university, I went to university and I, I, I picked computer science. I, I want, my mom wanted me to be a doctor. I picked computer science because I thought that was the most creative thing that I could do, right? That at least there's something that maybe I can make something creative. Like, um, so that to say that, like, that's just the mentality and conditioning of uh, the Caribbean. Um, and maybe it's changed. Um, I'm not really sure how much, but like, um, for one thing you just touched on about your process and the flow, which I think is really important is, and for me is very, very important is that I don't dwell on anything that I do. When I finish something, I am already thinking about the next thing so that I never get caught into the cycle of overwhelming myself or whether if that was good enough or whether that made the impact that I intended it to. I'm already thinking about, okay, this is what I need to do next. So I never get lost in that, in the sauce, I should say. Um, yeah. I think it's so interesting that your, did your mom share with you like verbally that you were going to break the family cycle? Was that something that was understood or? More, it was more something that was understood because of the opportunities and the positions that she placed me in. Like it was more something that was understood that like, okay, you're going to excel and we see that you can, because I, I was um, a top student. I was doing very well in school, like from a very young age. Um, and I did art after school, like um, everything that fun that our that I wanted to actually do. I had to do it after I finished my normal school hours. So I would stay after right. school until 7 p.m. and then take the late bus home to go after, after my classes were finished. School would finish at three, and then from three to seven, I would be in art class. And that was an extra subject that I took because I wanted to be, I wanted to do art. Yeah, I find it so fascinating and admirable and incredible when moms they they have this like innate feeling about their kids you know and maybe mo all moms have that but i think there are certain moms that i think it's kind of like a voice or something like a like a intuition and when moms can listen to that i think it gives kids a lot of power don't you think like it's almost like your mom gave you i mean she she did what she could to provide right but separately she gave you permission to succeed in Absolutely. whatever it was going to be and i feel like that in and of itself is so much of getting your feet off the ground Absolutely. I think it's absolutely, absolutely. And I think it's so important that like, uh, that you, you like, I'll say this sometimes when I speak to my mom now, 
like if I'm having a day where I'm like questioning whether like, because sometimes you send a brief or a creative and it doesn't necessarily land or hit that particular moment. And I speak to her and she's like, don't worry about that. Like, look where you've come from. Look where you're going to go. Like, and just being able to hear that as a kid or being able to hear that as an adult gives you so much power because like it, it gives you the reassurance because that's the person that like brought you into this world, that nurturing, like it gives you the confidence to really excel. Like, and I think it's so important that just to hear it and just, I, I like, I mean, I, it, I have so many things about, uh, that I say now, like about how things that we show on TV, how we condition our kids from so young to watch certain things and to be a certain way, because it's been that way for so, so many years, but just like, just to hear, okay, you can do this. You don't want to be, you don't want to do, you don't want to do, be a doctor, computer science. Okay. You're still going to university. I'm still, I'm happy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, did you end up pursuing school in Barbados or did you move to the States to go so, to university? So I started it, I started in Barbados and, um, at the same time I took a, a part-time job working for an airline, the only job I've ever had. And, um, I left like within two years, um, of university, like my second year. And I moved to the U.S. after that. Yes. I want to just go back. I just thought of this thing about your your mom again that I was thinking about because I, you know, your name is is French. Yes, right? I know. And I, yes. I think it's, I, I think just like going back to like sharing that vision. I mean, it's it's kind of insane how she gave you, I mean, British colony, right? So there's no reason really to like give you a French name. I mean, I would understand if it was like a French colony, right? But yeah, um, yeah it's, it's, cra- it's crazy that she gave you a, f- a French name and then you end up like working as an artist in Paris of all the places. I know. I, know. I well, I say she... It was predestined by her. She, she knew, um, she, she told me that she was reading a book when she was pregnant and she saw this name and she loved it. I, she didn't tell me the name of the book, but she said she saw this name and she loved it. And, and that's my name came from a book that she was reading. Um, and it was a book from St. Lucia and St. Lucia was a French colony. Um, so there's that tie-in um and that's why um i have a very french name um yes is is your mom a a person of faith or was she kind of mystical in any way yeah not mystical but she's she's very religious yes did did uh do you come from like more of a catholic background or well well, I had, well, I've got, well, I had three, <laughs> three variants of religion growing up. I had Pentecostal, um, Anglican and Catholic. Um, and one was school, one was my aunt and one was my mom. 
Um, okay. So, <laughs> so you, you had a, yeah. you had a nice little con- uh, religious concoction going it. on. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, I did. When yeah. when you saw that Calvin Klein ad, was it for you? Was it like I need to like move to New York City? I mean, I know that the the shot wasn't really about New York City, but did Calvin Klein kind of like was was that image originally like part of the reason you wanted to go to New York? Yeah, well, it well it it, it became part of the reason why it became the image that made me want to be in fashion and work in fashion. Um, I didn't know in what capacity, but I knew that I wanted to be a part of that process. I wanted to make that image. Like I wanted to see or live that image or recreate that image in some way. So there was that. Yes. And I remember as I had mentioned earlier, like I was working at an airline part-time while I was in university. And so I was traveling to New York and going to Miami and seeing life in New York. And I remember I had bought like a pair of, um, I went to Thierry, Thierry, I, I think, yes, Thierry. And I bought like a tank top and this is the most expensive thing I had bought at the time. I don't remember. I had saved up so long for, for it. And I bought a teary black tank top and a gray capri trouser. But, and when I say capri, you know, like how capris, like they, they would, it was kind of flared and it would not, it didn't hit the ground. It goes like mid calf kind of thing, or just a little lower than mid calf. But I worked to university one day and man, you were on top uh, of the world. (laughs) I, I was, I, I was on top of the world, but for everybody else, it was like, what are you doing? Um, what, where are you going in that kind of thing? And, um, that was kind of like, okay, I need to, this is not where it's going to be for me. Um, I need to get out if I want to really succeed and be in this industry and wear the clothes that I want to wear when I want to wear them. Um, yeah. For me, I felt like university was, where I started to be a bit more experimental with what I was wearing as well. Cause I, yeah. I went to a private school growing up, so I had a uniform. Yeah. And me so, too. yeah. And so yeah. my first, I guess my first experiences with like fashion was kind of pushing the boundaries of my uniform. Right. But then now i I'm at university and I feel like it's almost like a blank slate. Like people don't really know you yet. So you're able to, you're able to like, you know, wear some things that you couldn't originally. Like I remember getting like painted jeans and like, and I'd get like these brogues and then I'd, you know, like I'd try to put these (laughs) outfits together. And now I look back and it (laughs) feels so cringe, but at the time, at the time it's almost like you've moved you know, like yeah. the friends that you had in school are like not seeing what you're wearing. So you can almost yeah. like, it's like maybe an identity that was already shaping, but now you're able to, now you're able to like really do it in a way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Cause I remember like, um, <clears throat> I used to stitch, um, like Nike, 
like because Nike didn't used to make it, but like in the Caribbean, like Nike was like if you could wear Nike, like you were you were it. So I used to stitch Nike logos in my denim, um, like just everywhere. <laughs> like I would make like Nike logos, like in my denim, in my in my in my jacket, like my shirts, like that kind of thing. It was quite funny. Yeah, like looking back on it, um, you just were like. You were maybe like 15 years <laughs> too early or something because you could have made like a lot of money with these bootlegs now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's good when, memory. Yeah. When you, when you started working in New York, uh, what was that like? And when did you feel like things started to happen for you? Okay. So, so when I first moved to New York, like it was quite tough to be, to be frank. Um, but because I had done computer science in, uh, in Barbados and I had, I knew about Java and I knew how to build websites and this kind of thing. And, I had met um, this guy who worked at models.com and um, he had asked me to help him redesign because this is, this was a time when um, agencies were trying to put their businesses online, model agencies, I should say, like try to transfer from the portfolio telephone business to online portfolios and that kind of thing. And he had asked me to design and do the programming for uh, one agency website, which was elite at the time. And this is how I got my start, like in fashion. And this was like maybe, maybe four or five months um, in living in, in New York. And it just kicked off from there. And how, when, when I think, things really started to kick off because after I had done that, like all the model agencies, all the big ones adopted the same template and format that I had designed, art directed and programmed. And when thing, I think during that process on the side, I had this one site that was my personal site of my favorite things. And it was called like Omstar. And it was on the pop in pop magazine at the time had, uh, like a mini, um, mini, like mini universe, mini verses, um, of websites. And I had one, um, um, thankfully. And, uh, it's kind of like uh, your own Tumblr or something, right? Yeah. 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 Um, but it was under the pop, um, no, no, it was under the, another, another, sorry, another, another platform. Um, another man, um, it was under their, their, uh, platform and I was putting my favorite things. So like my favorite cameras, like my favorite shoes, like what I wanted to wear, like just, but I would, I it was aesthetically, it was all black, everything I would cut out every morning. I would get up and cut out five of my favorite things, like, and I would put them on black and I would post them and. Kanye had seen, um, this website and I, I tell you this website maybe got maybe, maybe 50 people a day to visit. <laughs> and he had seen this website and they had asked me to redesign, um, his Kanye university website at the time. 
And so I did that. And, and then I, I started to take some photos for him. Um, and at the same time, I used to take photos of my friends and models and that kind of thing um, for the agency websites that I used to do. Um, and from then, like, it just kind of started to kind of roll from then, because I was doing ID in 2010 and like all these magazines that now is like, it's crazy now to get ideas. Like, it's like a oh, while, wow, but in like 2010, I wasn't even thinking about like those kind of things, like, but I was doing it. Um, but so that was kind of like my real, real start, like in, in fashion. Um, I don't think I've made it yet. I think I'm still learning. I'm still growing. I have a lot more to learn and grow. Um, but I am on the way. I'm on the road. The train is on the track. Yeah. Uh, no, yeah. That, that's a, that's a good perspective to have. And I'm yeah. similar to you when you said like, I do a project and then I'm on to the next, I feel the same yeah. way. And I feel like I'm only like 2% of the journey, you know, like Lord willing, yeah. I get to live for a long time and get to keep making things. Absolutely. But when, what was that conversation like with, with Kanye, when you started to shoot with him, because he calls you in to do the website and then yeah. do, do they end up seeing images on your website and are like, who shot this? And you were like, yes. oh, it's me. I mean, is that how, is that how you got to keep working with the, with the Donda creative crew? Um, well, yes and no, because like it was based on, yes, initially it was based on that, like that they had seen some images that I had done as part of my own website. And then they said, Oh, can you shoot something for us in this mood for something that we wanted to do? And they want, what they wanted to do is they wanted to take the XXL magazines, which at the time was like one of the biggest hip hop magazines. And they wanted to convert the entire issue to dedicated to the good music family. And so I curated the entire issue. And so I shot all the artists. I shot, things like products, objects, just based on the aesthetic of, of my website at the time. Um, and, um, and then that's how we, we grew from there. Um, yeah. How would you describe your aesthetic when you were, when you were first like starting to shoot photographs? Um, I think it was very minimal um, very less is more, more about sh showing the true character of a person trying to capture that really in between moment where they're, where they let go or where they let down their guard. And I really see them and they saw me, um, that this is how I would describe my aesthetic at that particular time. Um, yes, it was more, it was more, um, not po polished might not be the right word to use, but it was more, um, it had a little bit more gloss to it, I should say. Yeah. I know you've said that Richard Avedon was, was one of, is one of your main inspirations. My heroes, I, yes. I, I feel like I see that when I look at your early work. Was yes. he, yeah. 
was he your first art hero? And if when did you discover his work? Well, I discovered his work like very early on, like maybe like when I was around 17, like I discovered his work, but I didn't really start shooting photos until I was like a little, a, a little older. Um, but he was, I think Avalon and Penn were two of my, or, or two of my heroes in terms of photography. And, um, and I guess, as you said, like you can see a lot of that in my early work, like, um, not trying to emulate or trying to copy, but like influence, but that was a big part influence. I was influenced heavily by the way they created their pictures and like the kind of the starkness, the sharpness, like how the clothes always looked beautiful, like no matter what, like even when the girls were dancing, the clothes still looked pristine. And that's like something that now in my work, like which is a lot freer, that is a big component where I try to make sure that the clothes look as amazing as possible, no matter what circumstance they're in. When you when you think about like your images and you're thinking about the clothing, are you is the clothing kind of the priority in your shoot or is kind of the character or the model that the person is that is that kind of the subject and the and the fashion piece is almost like a something that comes along with that idea no for me i i think it's always like the universe like i'm trying to tell the story so and fashion plays a very big part in telling a story and I think it's very important that, like, for example, like if I'm trying to set a scene in an office um, and somebody's in a suit, you understand. Like, so I think, like, for me, fashion is a very big component in the image. It's not like the first thing I think about. But when I think about an image, I'm thinking about hair. I'm thinking about makeup. I'm thinking about the clothing. I'm thinking about the set. I'm thinking about every aspect that makes that full image. Yes. Yeah. One of the things that I that I notice about your work kind of carrying over from when you started is really the way that you use shadow. And I think yeah. especially I notice it more so when you're when you're shooting somebody with darker skin. But yeah. I would I would love to know how you think about shadow. And I mean, because from my perspective, you you seem to really lean into it almost yeah yeah i mean is absolutely. that absolutely uh, tell me tell me about like tell me about shadow and and what that what that conveys to you or the or the feelings that come from an image like that okay okay so so well one of my favorite painters is caravaggio and um uh, there's a whole off white story there um, but I love this play between light and dark. And I think like within shadow, there's so many things that are hidden, but it makes you look for things in the shadow. And that's why I like to play on it so heavy, um, because it makes you, it, you have to look 
to find the image. You have to look to find the emotion of the person. Like, um, and that's why I, 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 it's a very important thing for me. I, I love um, playing with shadows. Like, um, I mean, even when I shoot, um, uh, people, not people of color, um, other races and that kind of thing. Like I still play, I still lean in heavy into shadows, whether I do it in the clothing or I do it in the background or I do it on part of their face or what have you. I always, there's always a big component of it in, in my work. And I think that's, yeah. I mean, I love your use of shadow. I would say that's maybe where, you know, and you know, I don't mean to compare your work with Richard Avedon, but I think that's something that you built, I guess, upon his legacy in a way, because I mean, you, you know, he shoot, he shot lots of, uh, you know, studio portraits and different things, Yeah, but he, his images were, you know, they were, they have a lot of emotion, but I, I would think, I kind of think that shadow is not something that he was focused on really. Focus on. Yeah, absolutely. No, I think he was more focused on, well, like I would say I'm always trying to capture that off moment, that moment when everybody, the guard has been let down. Right. Like I play with the light in a way that like can help push that emotion that when they fully let go, and a lot of times in shadows, like it happens. Um, with Avedon, like I find, like he, as he used to say, like the hardest thing is to shoot somebody on a white background because there's nowhere to hide. There's nothing to hide behind. And so that's why a lot of my work, like uh, maybe for me, it was like trying using shadow as a mechanism to have something to bring to hide behind. All right. Whereas like, if you look at a lot of his work, like, I mean, most of his images, they, they're not like, there's harsh, con- there's high contrast, but they're not like heavy shadows. Whereas Penn had more shadows, for example, um, in his work. Um, yeah. It's, it's almost as if Avedon was really focused on showing strength. And what yeah. I think is interesting about your work is that you like to show uh, fear in a way. Yeah. I would love, I would love for you to talk about fear because I know this is something that you've touched on, but, uh, but I would love to hear it from you. Well, well, you think about like, like for me, like I think photography has always been a tool for me to learn about things that I'm afraid of things that I don't know anything about. And so fear I think once you can get past that, you can be free in a lot of ways. Um, so that's why I try to tackle it with a lot of my subjects or people that I shoot. Yeah. And one of the ways that you've done that is using animals of all things. Like yes. you've used, you've used pan- <laughs> panthers and alligators <laughs> and doves and all sorts of things. What, yeah. what do... Are, are animals a, in your work at least, are they kind of a physical representation of what can be fearful? Absolutely. Absolutely. Like, I think like, um, I tried, well, I think 
is an unconscious effort, but like there's an element within me, like, especially like when I'm doing a big project, like, and I think about, okay, and I'm thinking about the creative, I never go in thinking, oh, well, I want to have an animal just because I think, well, what will this bring to the image? What will this add? What can this create? Because I, I know there's this story and I don't know if it's true, but remember there was a story where Avedon had, there was a cu- um, the couple um, where he had said that he had asked, he had said something about whether their dog had just died and he caught the picture when he had just said that, that moment. But the thing about like with like animals, like, like there's, this innate fear within humans because there's this unsurety of like what's going to happen that you you're always so conscious of it that like it hel- it helps create like this this kind of uh and I, and I don't want to focus on that I'm trying to have people be afraid in my images but I like that within fear there's also freedom and within fear, there's also vulnerability. And I think for a lot of rappers and a lot of musicians who are, have this image of very macho and very virile, like to see a softer side of them because of fear is, 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 a, is a nice aspect. Yeah. And, and when you talk about that, I immediately think about your shoot with Pusha T yeah. and the doves. Because I, I mean, I think that shoot with Pusha T c- could be like his best ever for sure. I mean, or yeah. it could be the image that you took of him where he's kind of, he's with, again, with that use of shadow, he's kind of looking up into the sky on the white background. Yeah. Um, but I feel like that might be a great example because I mean, from Pusha T's music, he, he does portray a lot of strength. And so yes, you're able yes. to pull into, you're able to lean into a more vulnerable side of him. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and you know what? Like he's terrified of birds, absolutely terrified of birds, but he's one of these artists that I love working with because he's very trusting and he's willing to go there and to try and to experiment and, uh, and, the image that we use for the cover is him running from the bird. Um, so it's, it's just, it's just like, uh, it's, it's quite funny, um, to think about it now, but like, uh, I love that he's one of these guys and he's a guy from the streets who sings and talks about the streets and that kind of thing. But he's also portraying that you can do better and you can be better in life as well. Um, and it's nice to see a softer and, a vulnerable side of him and in, 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 in the images. Um, and like with Kanye, like, um, a lot of the stuff that we did, like, um, I always caught him in his off moments when he was softer and he was like more laid back and more paired back. Like, um, yeah. What I think is interesting about your work is how, I mean, you're looking for these, uh, you're looking for these off moments, like you said, but you also capture like a perfect image, which I think is really fascinating. Maybe because 
for me with iRay, I'm kind of trying to take a perfect thing and make it imperfect, you yeah. know, but, but not through, not with a straight line of like, here's a suit jacket and I'm going to like tear it up, you know, or something, yeah. or I'm going to like, dis- I'm just going to distress a perfect object, but yeah. I'm like taking seams apart and like sewing them back, you know, with a raw edge or something. But yeah. I think you, what you see is something imperfect, but I kind of see like a perfect image. Does that yeah. make any sense to you? It, it I mean, like that sense. push a T image of like, him looking away from the dove as the example, but the dove is like perfectly uh, hiding his face. I mean, yeah. I think probably when I first saw that image, I was like, that has to be Photoshop. Cause yeah. it, it, it doesn't, it doesn't seem like that could ever be something that you could actually capture. Yeah. But there, yeah. there is a lot of, I think there is a lot of perfection in your images. And I mean that in the best way, because it is it's it feels real, but it also feels um staged. And I think yeah. that I think that balance that you play with makes it an interesting story and an interesting universe. Thank you for that. Well, I always say it's like hyperreality. Yeah, hyperreality. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like uh it's it's real, but it's just taking it. Like, uh, I, I have a new series that I'm working on that I just did my first one in Senegal. First time I've been to Africa. Um, and I call it playing reality and it's kind of playing on that same, the same topic matter that you're talking about, about taking things that are mundane or things that like are every day and just pushing it a level higher to kind of excel the image. Like, um, uh, I don't want to use the word of elevate because like, I think the image is already good, but like just to bring another dream inside of the actual image. Is history something that you reference a lot in your work? Well, not history per se, but I reference a lot of things in my real life and things that are happening with my friends, things that are happening in the world. Um, when I first started, yes, there was a lot of references to things that were historical. Um, but now in my work, it's things that are around me, things that are within around the world, things that are happening in the world, things that are that I'm seeing on the news, thing, things like that. It's more um, about the now in my work and not necessarily thinking about things from the past. Yeah. I find the I find the history piece and and I mean we kind of touched on it about our own history but I'm always curious how much creatives kind of pull from like even like we talked about Caravaggio, you know, and like that yeah. shadow and yeah. like um yeah, I just think it's it's kind of interesting to think about those Inter- moments. Yeah. Yeah, abs- absolutely. And I I think like the thing is, is like when, for example, like when I saw the first Caravaggio painting in, in real life, in person, bigger than me, right? The impact that that makes on you, whether you want it or not, is going to be with you for life. So unconsciously or subconsciously or super subconsciously, like it's there. 
So even when you think you're, well, oh no, I'm not creating from that reference. It's there. It's still there. Um, so, so I, I mean, I used to, I, I, I've used to read a lot of art books, like, like, I've, like when I was younger, like I delved into a lot of information because I wanted to learn as much as I can. And I'm still trying to learn as much as I can, like, um, at, at a slower pace now because like of work, but um, I think it's very, very important to always keep learning new things, keep keep that energy, keep that flow of information coming in to inform your work. And that's why I say, like, sometimes I sit down and I just watch the news just to see what's happening in the world. Not because I um, I'm, I'm scouring for creativity, but just so that I'm informed so that it's imprinted in my brain so that like maybe it, it might not come out tomorrow in a, a, show, a photo shoot, but in two years from now, there might be something that references something that I had experienced because it touched my spirit um, two years ago or something like that. Yeah, it, it's providing context to, the, yeah. to a universe that you're creating, wh- whether that's now or later. Later, absolutely, absolutely. My... I would love to know what Caravaggio painting you saw that that was really impactful for you. <laughs> for me, it was I I, I forget if it's I forget if this is the title of it. I think it was Doubting Thomas, but it's Jesus and he's and he's putting uh if I remember correctly, he like he has Thomas like reach into his wound on his side. And he's kind of like touching the wound. Touching the No, I think my, my, uh, okay, I'm, uh, oh, I'm going to go on the computer. Like my, my, um, exp- my first, first one that I saw was with the decapitated head, I believe. Of um, like, uh, John the Baptist, I think. John the Baptist, I think. Like, um, like, it's like the head is, is the, the only three colors is black, white, and red. In the image, those are the three colors in the image: black, white, and red, and a skin tone. Um, and the head is, I believe, is on a platter. I can, I can see it in my mind right now, and I'm like uh, trying to describe it. Um, but it became one of the images that was used on one of the, on the early off-white um, hoodies. Um, yeah, was was that a did that stem from a conversation between you yeah, and Virgil? On it, it did. I would I would love to know about your relationship to Virgil, kind of how that started, and then I mean, it really ended up being a, uh, it seems like a beautiful friendship to you and a creative collaboration between you two. Like absolutely. Well, I well I met Virgil when I was working with Kanye. Um, he was on Kanye's team at the time. And so we started, we were friends then. And when he told me that he was starting his brand and he wanted to start a brand, um, I told him that I was living in Paris at the time and I told him, I'll help you however I can. And, and it just kicked off from there. And we had had that Carvajal, that Carvajal conversation happened in maybe 2010, um, because I had been to Paris and I bought this book or I was given this book by an art director who worked at, um, at, 
at Vogue Paris at the time. And it was a book of um, women who were um, frequented this particular area called Saint-Denis in, in France. Um, and it was quite dark. Um, and when I say dark, I'm not talking about like the violence or anything like that. I'm just talking about you just got pockets of light. It was one of, one of the most beautiful things I had seen in my whole or like at, in my life at that time. Um, and I went back to New York on tour and I was so influenced by, by what I had seen. I started to shoot a lot of my images in this aesthetic which is very, very dark, very little light, very like pockets of light where you just saw maybe a hand, you saw an eye, you saw like just part of the face, like this kind of thing. And then, and this was also based on the Caravaggio conversation because that was the same time that I had seen the Caravaggio exhibition in France. Um, so those two things led a lot of my work, which was very dark, um, with dark backgrounds, because a lot of my early work, um, I shot on black. Um, I, at the beginning, I shot on white, then I shot on black, and now I shoot on a lot of color. Um, yeah. And when did you feel like you had a special connection with Virgil? Where in that process of kind of meeting and, and working with him, did you realize that Virgil was himself like a budding artist artist well we had left my friend Renny Lou's wedding in Prague and Virgil and I had taken the same flight back to Paris and I don't know why we took the bus but we took the bus from Charles de Gaulle into Paris and we sat on that bus for an hour and a half and we just talked about off-white and life and just like what he wanted to do and what he wanted to accomplish. And, and, and I told him like, I'm going to help you do whatever I can. And so after that conversation, like, um, so after that conversation, like we kind of started to work together and, um, and then, and then I kind of did like every process within a fashion brand that you could do except designing and drawing clothing. So I've done casting, I've done styling, I've done production, I've done, I've done just about photography. I've done, I've even done runway pictures, which, which is something insane, but like I've even taken runway pictures for Virgil. Like, um, so I've done like every aspect that you, that goes through that brand goes through. Um, and it was probably one of the most creative times that I've had in my life so far. Um, and I'm very grateful and honored and, and happy to call this person my friend. And I'm so heartbroken that he's no longer here with us. Um, but he gave so many opportunities to so many great people. And I'm so wonderful to see how these people are still flourishing um, even after. And I hope that his legacy continues to grow and live um, because he was an incredible talent like um I just, he taught me this thing that about I days, like, because us sometimes as creatives, like we get so caught up in our own I days, where it's like, you can't separate yourself from the I day. And if you pitch an I day and it doesn't land, you take it personally. 
But he taught me this thing is like, no, you just give another idea. Like you don't stop there. Like you just give ideas, you just throw things on the table. You see, not to see what sticks or see what lands, but to show, just be a fountain of ideas because you can, you have, you, and that's why I shoot so much as well. Like people always say, but well, why do you shoot so much? Um, it's like, because I have a lot of things that I want to say. I want, I like, um, and it's not because I'm trying to do whatever, but it's because I have a lot of things that I want to say. I want to get it out there. And the thing about working with, Virgil was that he was so trusting and he would allow you to be in your lane. So once the company got like in 2016, for example, was when the company really, I saw that was when I saw, okay, this is going to be transformative. This is going to hit in a different way because at that moment we had rappers coming through the studio like skaters coming through the studio. Like it was just like this crazy mix in, of energy. Like, like when I was like, when I, not to say to take away anything from Kanye or, or anything, because I think Kanye is a genius. And, um, and so intense. So, so as I said, in 2016, like we had Playboy Cartier, we had Lucas Sabad, we had Ian Connor, we had all these kids like just coming into the studio. We had Kanye, like at one point, like Kanye was sitting on like the side of like, um, we were all on the floor. Kanye was sitting on the floor, like next to me. I was on the floor with like a GoPro. We had like Ian Connor in front of us. We had Lucas Sabat. We had Playboy Cartier putting on like the plastic jackets of the first season, like that kind of thing. And that kind of energy. And like, that's when I realized like, okay, this something is happening. Like something is changing. This is going to break this like, like, and, and the thing is, is that we were making pictures at that time, not because we had an outlet for them. Cause we didn't, we like those pictures didn't have, weren't going to a magazine or weren't going for a lookbook or weren't going on social media or anything like, even though Instagram was existing at the time, but we were just creating images because we wanted to make pictures because we were so excited about fashion and so excited to be like, in Paris and making clothes and like, um, making pictures like, uh, so, I mean, cause I remember the, the first advertisement that we did was, or not even, it was like, it was for no, it, like it came out nowhere. We just did posters on the street and it was called, this is not an advertisement. It's just, it's just meant for you to look at the clothes. I, this is not something to that effect. Um, which I think was so poignant at the time. Um, but from then, like it just kind of, it just kind of grew and like, like he was so trusting and I worked on a lot of the shows. I worked on the creative for the shows. I worked on creatives for the campaigns, like just different things. And sometimes I would shoot things. Other times, uh, other photographers would shoot things like, so it was like a really good, um, um, experience for me, like, um, in my process. And like, I think now, like I work a lot with Givenchy now, like in the same way that I worked with Off-White and I'm really grateful for that with Matthew. I'm now no longer there, but now let, let's see what happens in the future. But like, um, I think that process process helps inform a lot of what I do and a lot of how I create. Um, just having that, having had that relationship with Virgil and having had the opportunity to just create, because like sometimes I would go to Virgil and I would say, Hey, I have an idea. And he would say, send me a deck. And I would send him a deck. And within a week I was shooting it. 
Like, um, so, I mean, it was a luxury at the time and it's changed quite differently now, but like, um, there was that trust and, um, and, and not just because we were friends, but like he understood, like when you were good at something, he allowed you to be good at it and create to your capacity. Um, and I think that's really special for any creative or any designer that when you have people on your team and if you, that you hire somebody to be a photographer for a specific reason, you let them do what you hired them for, like, um, let them create still under your, your ethos and still under your name and your brand, because it's your brand in the end of the day, but you let them do because it gives, when they have that feeling that, well, I'm in a place where somebody believes in me and trusts me, they give more like, um, yeah. I think we could go on and on about Virgil as an artist and a designer, but I would love to know what you learned from him in, in just the way he was kind of everything except the art he was putting out. I mean, because a lot of what people talk about him, how they talk about him now is that he just was yeah. like an incredible person. And you kind of touched on it with with yeah. how he allowed you to be. He allowed you to bring ideas yeah. to the table, but well, I would love to hear about that. Yeah, well, well, that, but like, just to touch on what you just said about, I think with Virgil, like one of the things that I really admire is that I've never seen Virgil angry, and that's one thing that I, I like in is innate within me. Like I never show anger on set or I never bring bad energy to anything that I'm doing because I see that once if your lead is perpetuating negativity, it spirals down the entire set and then everything goes wrong. Like, um, whereas like if the person that's at the top, like is giving you good vibes and, and lifting you up, like you feel you feel respected, you feel, you want to contribute. Like, and I think that's like one of like, uh, the key, um, things that takeaways and learn learning points that from him is just the patience and the kindness that he had for people. And also the openness for new talent and just like keeping that door open for new talent. Like, yeah, when he got in and he got positions, like, he didn't close the door and say, well, I'm, I made it like, uh, goodbye. Like he made sure that like in time that everybody that he worked with got something from LV or got something from off white or did a campaign for off white or what have you. Like, that's the kind of person that he was like, um, just, and I, I mean, I had that with Kanye as well too. Like I had the moments where I would do, we had this thing called a live-in mood board where I would go in a city wherever and I would just create any kind of images that I had, I wanted to make. Um, and based on, instead, so instead of going to a library and pulling references, I would go create the references myself and just present them to him at night in image form, image and video form. And I had that with Virgil as well. So like, um, I'm lucky to have had those two great, um, opportunities and, uh, to create, and, um, I hope to have many more. 
um, because it's quite nice to see your images live um, in very different ways. Um, yeah. it's, it's wonderful to hear about. Um, he really did lift up a, a ton of creatives and I'm, I'm sorry that I was never able to meet him or work with him, but you know, he really did inspire me and a lot of creatives, especially I would think in my generation, cause he's, you know, kind of one generation above me. So, so he was, he really opened yeah. the doors in a, in a lot of ways for me, not, not actual, you know, not actual doors by giving me opportunities, but almost allowing me to, to see design yeah. and creativity in, in a different way and coming from what seemed like a, you know, a really beautiful person as well. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, he was an incredible human being. As I said, I've never seen him upset in all, in, in, in all the years I knew him. That's never. Cool. So that takes yeah, a lot. Absolutely. It takes how a would, lot. How would um, he deal with, yeah. with problems on set, you know, like this certain model doesn't show up the something was wrong with the lens on the camera. So none of, none of the images came out. I mean, like all of the problems that we like, get on like, a daily basis. Yeah. Like he would like, let's go again. Let's try again. Let's try again. Like, um, like, uh, let's, let's give it another go. Like, um, let's try something else. Like, um, like for me as a, like, as a creative, like sometimes like I have an idea, I build out a concept and when you get on set, the light doesn't work on that person's face. Um, it doesn't work on the clothing. And if you're not able to adapt, like it, then it completely, it breaks it breaks the whole thing. Like you have to be able to adapt and be agile. Like if you want to function in this world, like, um, uh, as a creative, like you need to be able to, you can't just stick to this. It has to be this or nothing else. Like, um, Virgil was very open to, to allowing things to evolve and change. Um, and I think that's very important. Yeah. It, I think from the outside, it can seem like magic, is made when the stars align and everything's perfect, but usually it happens with a mix of serendipity and mistakes, mistakes. and mistakes, mistakes. And the thing is, is that a lot of people have seen a lot of the glory, but Virgil worked really, really, really hard. Like sometimes we would be in that studio until the morning, like, um, and he would be sketching, he would be on the floor cutting fabric, like, and this is the thing that like a lot of people don't understand is that like he actually learned as he was making off white, he was learning about clothing. He was learning about fabrics. He was learning about like all these things as he was going along because his background is architecture. So for him, as he was doing it, he was learning. So I think from the outside, it might look like, oh, well, hey, like he, he made, he was a DJ, he did this, he did that. And everything happened for him, but he worked extremely, extremely hard, like, um, to get to the point that he got to, like, it didn't just happen overnight. It took many years. Um, and I think a lot of like kids that like want to get into this business need to understand that you need to put in the work 
like um, if you want to succeed, like it's not going to, you need to work. Like, um, yeah, there's, yeah. there's work no way travel. around that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> work and travel. You need to see different cultures. You need to experience different culture, but you also need to keep working. Um, yeah. No Absolutely. way around that. Yeah. I would love to know how film and painting has added to your artistic practice. Well, so, okay. So, in so I so I so I was taking pictures for a very long time and I had a moment where I stopped taking pictures and I went to Berlin for a year and I made 30 paintings in Berlin and I haven't painted since and that was in 2012 okay um but film I always think of image as moving now so film for me, it's just a natural progression of image um, in the sense that when people, I feel like with film, you capture more of that moment that I spoke about early or earlier when people actually let go. You get that in film when they're moving, when there's action, and as opposed to having to just stand there and give something. If somebody has something to interact with or somebody has something to do or to move to, like there's, you get more organic and more natural and more real feelings and emotions from them, I find. What are you most excited about right now that you're working on? Is it, it are you leaning more into film? Well, um, I'm leaning more into film, yes, but I'm excited about my series plain reality because like i want to and plain reality is about the nostalgia of childhood as adults and um playing with that um and i guess that is the thing that is kind of driving me right now because it's kind of a mixture of video and photo but it's also experiencing new cultures so the idea is that like for example, like I would go to a country that I've never been to and I would take clothes or bags or sunglasses or what have you and mix commercial with art and um, try to experience and document my experience um, in that country with this series. And so I'm, I've done it in Senegal and I'm going to do it in Tokyo in February. And each time I have a different partner, a different fashion brand that I partner with to sponsor the collaboration. So that's what I'm most excited about right now. That's so cool. I love, I love that. Can't wait to see the Tokyo version of it. Thank you. When, Thank when you. you think back to all the images you've taken, which one are you most proud of? Oh, this is a good question. <laughs> I think it's something that a lot of people have not seen. And yes, it actually is something that maybe only people that have, that have been to my apartment have seen is the image that I'm most proud of. 